Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Derek with the message. I grew up going to church every Christmas Eve, much like this. It's one of the reasons I like the, like, you know, we had church this morning, right? And some of you are like, why are we doing this twice in one day? But like, one of the things I love is this candlelight stuff. But one of the things that made Christmas, Christmas for me, was the song Silent Night with the candles, right? Yes, see, thank you, you got me. Silent Night with the candles became so special to me because when we lit the candles and we're all dressed up nice, this is like the only day of the year that I dress up nice. Uh, I had to buy this. I don't even own things like this. I had to buy it. Um, I dress up nice, and I, we would sing the song "Silent Night," the candle, and you know, whenever we had a pastor that was really excited, he would move the candle, and you're supposed to do the same thing. You might do that. Like, it, it's dangerous, actually, <laughs> really dangerous. Um, but that was like Christmas to me. Like that—that that was like. The epitome of Christmas, if we sang any other song, that would be wrong. It would be like unbiblical. But I want you to see something tonight that I became aware of. And and I, I hope that this brings a fuller picture of Christmas, okay? I want you to see something tonight. In case you're not familiar with the structure of the Bible, there are four, four stories, four books that tell the story of Jesus. Okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and they're called the Gospels. And, and in these accounts of the life of Jesus, the earliest writer, the one who wrote his, his story earliest, doesn't have the story of the birth of Jesus. The one who wrote the latest, John, doesn't have the story of the birth of Jesus. You would think... Because of the celebration and the way, I mean, the silent night, right? It's the silent night. you got to get the silent night. You would think that these would be essential, which means only two of the four cover what we celebrate tonight. Only two of them. And the, the crazy thing, if you read the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew doesn't even capture the events of the silent night. There's no, like, you know, shepherds in the field. And if, if you're wondering, those of you who come here on Christmas Eve every year, why we read the same passage is because it's the only one. We can't even vary it. It's the only one. Some of you are like, you read the same thing every year. Yeah, I know. And what's crazy about all of this, only Luke captures this picture that was so essential to my childhood growing up understanding of Christmas of the shepherds in the fields tending their flocks and the angels and the, all the thing, right? So of the four stories of Jesus, only one of them really captures what I thought was essential, this silent night. What's more, the two who do talk about the birth of Jesus aren't really telling the story as if the birth is the central thing. If you read them, they're sort of saying, yeah, he was born, but we're really trying to make a bigger point. And by telling the story, we're trying to make some larger point. It's not just about that Jesus was born. 
we're talking about something else. And if we want to, to root our Christmas celebration in the Bible rather than some other cultural, you know, like, you know, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas or, or something like that, which, I'm sorry, you remember last year, it was like negative 100, remember? You remember last year's Christmas? Negative 100, I, I mean, plus or minus. It was close. It was white, though. If we want to root our celebration this year of Christmas in the Bible rather than something else, we too need to capture the larger story that the gospel writers are telling, even the ones who tell the story of the birth. And so that brings up the question, what story are they telling? What story are they telling? I want to show you three verses taken from the two places where the, the, uh, the gospel writers write about um, the birth of Jesus. One is in Matthew 1. Verse 17 and 18, it reads this way. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's one place, and hopefully he underlined those nicely for you. You can see what the big story is. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. We read a little bit of this at the beginning. 2, verse 11 says this, Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You see, the story that the gospel writers are telling is a story about a word most of us gloss over. That most of us sort of miss the big story that's being told, this idea of Jesus as Messiah. You know, we, we sort of stick it in as like a title, Jesus Messiah. Or uh, some of you in your, in your translations, it'll say Jesus the Christ. Or Jesus Christ. And we think Christ is like Jesus' last, last name. Um, you know, and some people have added middle initials. Um, none of you would know anything about that. Um, but the, the idea of Messiah and Christ is the same word in two different languages. And the reference is Jesus as the anointed coming king. That what we're talking about as we celebrate Christmas is we're pointing backward to the Old Testament. How many of you like to read the Old Testament? Show of hands, like, you can be honest if you're like, I don't know, it look, feels like a junk drawer to me, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. I know it's somewhere in there, there's a story about Noah and some lions and some other things, but it feels a lot like a junk drawer, there's a bunch of things in there, and I like some of it, and some of it I didn't know it was there, right? Some of us, that's how we think about the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was waiting for a Messiah to come. They were under the rule and reign of some other government, some pagan nation, and God promised them, one day I will send a king, a Messiah, an anointed one, who will set you free, who will be the king, who will inaugurate, and in the Old Testament you'll see this phrase, the day of the Lord. This phrase, the day of the Lord, over and over and over and over and over and over it happens. So the Messiah inaugurates the day of the Lord. Now, what the people in the Old Testament were looking forward to, the day of the Lord, was considered a great and dreadful day. Have you seen that? Some of you have read that. 
A great and dreadful day. The day of the Lord that the Messiah will bring is a great and dreadful day. It's a great day for some people. It's a great day for some people. It's a great day for the nation of Israel whenever they're finally set free. When they're finally no longer oppressed, they're finally, uh, they're finally free to govern their own, uh, their own nation and under the government of God. They're free, they're, they're, the, the poor are released and set free, they're cared for, they're no longer captives. It's a great day for the nation of Israel because all of the enemies will be cast off. It's a great day. The day of the Lord is a great day. And the great day is also a dreadful day. For some people, the day of the Lord was a dreadful day for those who opposed God's people. And so in the mind of Israel, we're looking forward to the day of the Lord brought by the Messiah. But it's a great day for some people. You, you know, for, for, for the nation of Israel, it would be a great day. You know, Israel is going to be a world superpower and we will we'll get rid of all the people who oppress us. It's a great day. And for all who oppress us, it's a dreadful day. But when Jesus shows up, things didn't look the way Israel expected. One of the big things that Israel was, that, that we see when Jesus shows up is Israel was mistaken as to who God's enemies were. They had it a little bit twisted. It's always a little bit an uncomfortable position to decide whoever you don't like is God's enemy too. If that's a thing that you do, can I just implore you to say, maybe when your enemies are God's enemies, maybe it's not God you're listening to. So it was a dangerous thing to decide that your enemies are God's enemies. So when Jesus shows up as the Messiah, they were expecting oppression to be set free. You know, we're going to be set free. We're not going to be oppressed any longer. The Roman Empire that oppresses us, gone. Deliverance certainly happened when Jesus showed up. But it wasn't the Roman Empire. It was demons and sickness. People were set free from bondage to their, to their sinful patterns of their past. People were set free, but it wasn't the way Israel thought. Those who would have been thought to be the closest to God, the, you know, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the people who, these guys are close to God. You know, we just know they're holy. You know these people, right? They're the ones on TV. They're the really holy ones. Not people like me. The really holy ones. These people who you would expect, well, they know all the rules and they follow all the rules. When Jesus shows up, he should be the best friends and yet he makes them mad over and over and over again. But the ones who were considered furthest from him, those were the ones who he welcomed. This Messiah showed up, but it didn't look the way it was supposed to look. Those who would have been thought of uh, as the, the most sinful, Jesus welcomed. Can I just say, if you're in this space right now, and you're like, you know, I, I mean, I come on Christmas. I know I should, and I'm here with my mom. Don't, don't point at her. Don't, you know, I'm here with my dad. Don't point at him. Don't, you know, they, they, they want me to come, and I'm, I'm trying to be nice. But this stuff's not really for me because I'm too messed up. I'm too, too twisted, too bent. My, my life has been a mess. These are the people that Jesus welcomed. And I would like for you to know that Jesus welcomes you. See, Jesus' 
uh, understanding of what he was doing as the Messiah was different than what the Israelites thought. Not only that, but Jesus as the Messiah, you know, uh, Israel thought, well, God is our God. Y'all got the messed up gods that aren't real. Our God is powerful. Your God is not. We are going to be the powerful ones. You all are going to be smitten by the Lord. And when Jesus shows, shows up, the expectation of the Israelites was, God bless us. God bless me. But the invitation that Jesus offered was not just for the Israelites. It was for everybody. The mistake that the Israelites made was they didn't know how wide the love of God went. And in the middle of all of this, Jesus changed the way the coming day of the Lord worked. You see, when Jesus showed up, this idea that the Israelites had that it would be good for some people and bad for everybody else, that it was all going to be put together, Jesus said, we're going to put some time between that. It's going to be good for everybody who will come. There will for sure come a day when the enemies of God will be cast aside. But for a time, the blessings extend to everyone. The blessing of the rule and reign of God is available for everyone. And when Jesus came, blessing began, peace began, healing began, freedom began, providence began, deliverance began, forgiveness began. But the one thing that got delayed was the bad day for everyone else. This is good news for us today. See, the destruction of all who were opposed to God's rule and reign got delayed. For sure, that day is still coming. The Bible tells us that day is still coming. But we live in a space now where the invitation to all of us is to come under the rule and reign of God. And this Christmas, this is the invitation to all of us. You see, the gift that we celebrate today and every Christmas that we've read this passage, the gift we will continue to celebrate until Jesus returns is that we have all been offered an invitation to allow God to be our God and to stop being our own God, to stop serving ourselves, to stop protecting ourselves, and to allow God to do that for us. In his goodness and in his kindness, God has delayed the word of judgment to invite you into his family. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That in Jesus, this Messiah has come. That we live in a time when we can choose to bring ourselves back into right relationship with God our Father. Because Jesus has made a way for that. We can choose to accept the invitation, to receive the invitation to come into the rule and reign of God. But friends, we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice. Will we continue to be in charge of our lives or will we surrender to Jesus, this Messiah who has come, and allow him to be in charge? That's the question. Will you receive that gift? And some of you are like, are you asking us now or was that rhetorical? I'm asking you now. Will you receive that gift? Right now, in this time, God is inviting you in 
to be a part of his rule and his reign. All of us have at one point or another been far from him and have been apart from the rule and reign of God. But the invitation this Christmas is to come under the rule and reign of God. And the gift that comes with that is peace, is joy, is hope. This, is becomes, this becomes your story. This is the gift that is offered to you this Christmas. Will you accept, will you receive Jesus as your king? Now, because I said this is not a rhetorical question, some of you are like, oh gosh, I didn't know I was going to be asked any questions tonight. I thought I was coming here to watch you talk. You're asking me questions. I feel like I'm being required to participate. Some of you might be thinking, well, my life is a mess. I'm not good enough for this. You know, my Nana, she's really good. Me, not so much. You know, my brother, he does, he does really well. He, he does a great job. But I've spent my whole life living the way I wanted. There's no way. Can I just suggest to you that there's not one person in this room who belongs here. There's not one person in the rule and the reign of God who belongs there. Every last one of us comes as recipients of the gift. Every one of us. None of us comes because we were so good, we were so smart, we were so rich, we had all the right things. All of us come solely as gift. And the fact of the matter is, Jesus paid for us to come. You don't have to earn it. Jesus has paid for it. So you don't have to worry that my life isn't good enough because it never would be. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, I've never been able to live that life. You know, I've gone to church my whole life and I've never really been able to live that life. You know, I've tried to be good. You know, your sermon series that's going to start, Derek, in, in January is a great help because every year I'm trying to live the life God has asked me to live. It's just really, really hard and I've never been able to do it. You're right, you can't do it. You can't do it. You would never be able to do it. That's actually the story of the whole Old Testament. God thought, well, if I give these people my laws and say this is how you live to represent me well in the world, he thought, well, if I give these people this, but guess what? They couldn't even do it. They had the, 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 the rule book and they couldn't do it. We can't do it. The beautiful thing is, when you come into the kingdom, when you come under the rule and reign of God, God gives you his spirit and he empowers you to do it. You can't do it, but he can. And some of you might be thinking, I feel like an outcast. I'll feel like an outcast. You know, I'll be the only one in my friend group who does this whole following Jesus thing. I'll be the only one. And I'll feel alone. I feel like an outcast. People will make fun of me. I'll lose friends over it. I'll be lonely. You know, the Bible says that God puts the lonely in families. Some of you, this, this Christmas, your family is not a good space for you. You already feel alone. When you come into the kingdom, when you come into the rule and reign of God, he puts the lonely in families, and the way he does that is by this body. For those of you who don't come here on a regular basis, 
this is a family. We're all brothers and sisters who are loved by our Father, who have been forgiven by our Father. We care for each other as a family. He puts the lonely in families. Friend, the wisdom of God is that He knows we need relationships. This thing, this church thing that we do, is God's wisdom. So there's all kinds of questions that we could answer. But today the gift offered to you by the God who loves you is to receive Jesus as your king. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.